Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks, and welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show podcast, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. We have a special guest with us in the Sales Chat Show studio today, uh, my good friend Anthony Steers, the telephone assassin, no less. So we're looking forward to picking Anthony's brains. Anthony and I have uh, shared the platform on a number of occasions, most recently Sweden and prior to that South Africa. So that's us two. We're just the great international speakers. Phil and Graham, you have spoken well I've recently. Also, I've also spoken in Swindon. <laughs> Swindon. You did say Swindon, didn't you? <laughs> Swindon. So that's Anthony and I. We are the international gurus here today. So check us out. Um, so um, Anthony is uh, a real expert uh, in the area of sales. And he has been listening to one of our previous sales uh, chat show episodes called How to Get Past Gatekeepers, where Graham shared some research about PAs. Mr. Jones, would you just your, give us a little recap of the a research? A little recap of the research, which was basically saying that the, the people who uh, are most successful in getting through the gatekeepers are those who treat the gatekeeper as the person they're trying to deal with. In other words, that they uh, are selling to them and they let them do the selling, as it were, to the person they're really trying to reach. So that, that basically you've got to use that person as your salesperson to get through to the person you're ultimately trying to reach. Okay. Please tell me that Anthony disagrees with that, because I'm looking forward to this one. Well, as you know at the Sales <laughs> Chat Show, we do like to have some debates about these sort of things. And yes, Anthony does have a, a different point of view. But before we get that, Anthony, just tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do so our listeners know. Okay, I'm known as the telephone assassin. Please don't let the word assassin fool you. Um, it's not aggressive sales tactics. What I help people with is telephone engagement. So I cure a bit of phone phobia for those people who hide behind their emails and social media. And for the more aggressive types out there, I teach them patience and a little bit of manners. <laughs> to, to put it bluntly excellent we look, we look forward to learning a little bit more a little bit more about that as as we go through so you had a different kind of view of the the PAs approaching the PAs than maybe the maybe Graham's research yes I would I know uh, Graham is very well researched and I totally understand and agree what he's saying in certain instances there are gatekeepers out there who have a lot more importance than just answering phones and scheduling meetings and are effectively part of the decision-making process. Um, and if that is the case, then using their expertise about how is best to pitch to the company potentially could be valuable. But I personally believe and my experience says that actually it's a very, very small percentage of people are guarded by gatekeepers who are decision-makers. And my view is a gatekeeper is merely going to dilute your pitch and pass it on. Um, and, and usually the main things that people listen to and will hear, they will generalise and quite often they just want to know 
how much is it and when can we have it because time and money are the things that we value most and fundamentally there are more important questions that perhaps that person doesn't know about or understand that need to be discussed with the decision maker okay because when we were you know name country dropping aside when we were out in in stockholm you you talked about your concept of the over familiar ask i'd be grateful to talk this through because folks um I've seen Anthony speak a number of times and he will do live calls from stage to people's decision makers that he wants to get through, which is absolutely kind of walking walking the talk, not just here's how to do it, you kind of demonstrate it. So it'd be really valuable, I think, for the for the listeners to kind of understand your process, because I have to say it's very, very effective. Yes, I, I get asked if I'm brave or stupid when I make live calls. Um, I try not to say that I would do them as part of a keynote, but I often yes, do it as yeah. part of training, and it's just to emphasise the point generally that any of the non-believers in the room that think that I'm making it just too simple, you can see the light bulb go off when I can get past a gatekeeper and to a decision maker and gather useful information and I know far less about their products and services and pricing than they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what gatekeepers tends to be one of the biggest challenges that people that I talk to come up against and it's one of the things that it's the first hurdle that you hit which stop you from being able to go and deliver your pitch or gather more information so it, it knocks the wind out of many of us and stops us trying again quite a lot of the time. Um, like I say, my view is quite often uh, you just want to talk to the decision maker. So you really need to sidestep the gatekeeper and try not to get them involved in the first few attempts. Later on, you may decide that that might be a more fruitful or a faster way to get to them. But quite often, I don't personally believe that that's the case. But what, but what if the person is a key influencer to the other person on the other side of the gate who you're already trying to get to? Um, if I'm perfectly honest with you, yes, they can be a key influencer. Um, but there's a reason when you've done your research that you've come up with the decision maker that you actually want to speak with. To then find out that they have a PA who's going to influence that decision, yes, has an impact on the decision, but it doesn't have an impact on the fact that the most important person for you to speak to is the first person that you've identified <coughs> as the right person to speak to. Yeah, which is why we're trying to get through the gatekeeper in the first place. In the first place, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Okay, so, so I, guess, I guess most of the people listening will know that, I guess, the average reasonable size company decision maker is going to be approached endless times in a week by all sorts of people trying to sell them things so talk us through you've got a kind of a three-stage approach yeah so i call it the over familiar ask and it's purely about asking for somebody and trying to give the impression that you know them and that they know you already okay. um so that the first sort of part or the first phase of it generally if i was going to phone you simon and you weren't the person who answered the phone i would do my usual greeting a good morning or good afternoon but i'd say oh good afternoon simon uh oh sorry uh, Good afternoon. I'm after Simon, please, if he's available. I mean, sorry, Simon Hazeldean. So I would ask you by your first name, but then correct myself like I've just re remembered I'm phoning you at work. Mm. In about 70% of cases, when I've had clients try this before, you get put through without any further questions. And this is either because they weren't going to ask you any questions anyway, or they've assumed you actually know this person and you're on first name terms with uh, them. Okay. Usually what will typically happen next is once they know who you need to speak to, they're then going to find out who you are so that they know who they are putting through. So the first question is usually, and who is calling? Uh, and on this part of the call, what I typically do is I overpronounce my own surname like it's an important detail. I try and emphasize the fact that you know me by, by sort of saying, oh, sorry, yes, sorry, it's Anthony Steers. That's S-T-E-A-R-S. Thank you. 
and I spell it like that and I say thank you at the end. The thank you at the end is a subtle way of saying I finished speaking, mm. but what I'm trying to say here is yes, Simon <clears throat> does know five different Antonys, but tell him it's Anthony Steers, he'll take the call. Yeah. Um, again, in the test that I've had clients do before, around 80% of the time you can get through just by using that second technique. The third and final question that you'll usually get asked is what I refer to as the premature elaboration trap. This is where they say, and what is the call about? Um, and many of us try and summarize or do our elevator pitch and basically the person that you're talking to is listening for a couple of key words what is it you do and then they're going to speak to the decision maker to say I've got somebody who I think is selling this do you want to buy it mm-hmm. and usually you just get shut down so when that third and final question comes in there's a couple of ways that you can play it but the main one that I always use is I just avoid the question so I always just say oh don't worry it's not an urgent call it's kind of important but it's definitely not urgent when's a better time to call back So rather than saying, I want to leave a message, I'm making it clear that I don't want to leave a message. I've said that it's important, but it's not urgent. So if they're in the middle of something, I don't want to interrupt them, but I do think it's worth letting them know that I'm here. Um, And usually by saying, um, uh, don't worry, it's not important. If now's not a good time, when's a better time to call back? You're kind of showing that you're, you're heading for the door. And what you tend to find is the reverse psychology in there makes them go, well, hang on a second. I'll just see if they're free because they have the two crucial pieces of information that they need, which is who do you want to get put through to and who am I putting through, usually being slightly evasive about it and kind of trying to reinforce the fact that perhaps this is a personal call should hopefully at least give them the chance to... And so your kind of strike rate with this, I mean, yours may be higher because, you know, you, yeah. you, you, do, this, you do this kind of... Uh, you know, you do this day in, day out, but clients are getting a 70, 80%. So if you use all three of those techniques, you should be getting through at least 85% of the time. Which is a phenomenal percentage compared yeah. to what we might call more traditional cold calling methods, guys. I'm not sure what... Yeah. I, I, I think it would be low, low down for, yeah. for, for I the average. I think those techniques are excellent. In fact, uh, as Anthony was talking about the premature elaboration trap, it reminded me of a guy I used to work with years ago whose job was to sell on the telephone negotiating skills courses and he used to have a very interesting technique when hit with the and what's it all about question and his technique was to raise the technical content in the language to the point where the PA would butt out so the question would come in what's it all about and my colleague Brian would say Uh, I'd like to talk to him or her about the HR implications of next year's strategic and marketing plan. Every single time the call went through because the PA was not going to say, can you repeat that? Or what did you say? No, it was just a straight, I'm not going there, straight through. Uh, that is the other route that I would go down is overcomplicate what it is about um, because it's much harder to pass on. You can go down that route of being quite specific and talking about the role that perhaps the, the decision maker has, which which can then lead you to a more helpful gatekeeper who keeps asking you questions. You can then say, is that something that you deal with? Do you make decisions for your company on behalf of their marketing strategy and their global and all this kind of thing because you know that they don't? Mm. It's a slightly bullying technique in the fact that you're trying to belittle someone and saying, oh, if you think you can help, then please go ahead. But you're trying to intimidate them. Another way that I sometimes do it is I 
over rather than trying to intimidate them, I overcomplicate them. I overcomplicate it by saying uh, something along the lines of, uh, well, actually, it was about something that I saw them post on LinkedIn that I wanted to have a chat with him about. Um, do you mind me asking, do you help him with his LinkedIn at all? And they usually say, no, 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 he, he looks after that himself. I go, oh, okay, fantastic. So it's definitely him I need to speak to. Oh, okay. And oh, my, I, get, I get that. Af we affirm together that they are the only person that I can actually speak but to. But it is the subject that is intimidating, not you, as a person. Yes. Yeah, it's too difficult yeah. for, them to, for, them to, for them to deal with. Yeah. yeah so that... and, but you do sometimes get um, the higher-up gatekeepers who are influencers and will say, well, yes, you can talk to me about it. And that's where... If you try and intimidate them, the intimidation perhaps might backfire and they can go, well, actually, yes, he trusts me with these kinds of things. Yes, he makes the decision. Whereas if you make it personally complicated, make it more personal and complicated rather than trying to intimidate, I think that that almost stops them wanting to pry. It might then feel a bit more personal yes. and perhaps they will give you a bit of an easy ride and put, put you through. So there's a lot here around sort of giving them the imp certain impressions, is this yes. certainly, rather than a necessarily a technique-based approach from telemarketers kind of kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I tell everybody there is no silver bullet or technique that works yeah. on every single person every single time. Um, you do have to keep chipping away and the fact I talked about the 85% of getting through that isn't always necessarily having that conversation there and then it's just that, that they've gone off and they've either put you through to their voicemail yeah. or, they, or they've taken you through to their extension so perhaps you're not speaking to them all of the time but the chances of not getting the stumbling block of a gatekeeper and them diluting what it is you want to pass on and then usually um, I, I remember a, a particular gatekeeper who was lovely when I was on the phone to her. She actually was a PA to a coach, uh, to a um, a senior manager in a, in a firm. But I was I was trying to pitch a coach in there, mm. and the coach had a a connection with this person through another company that they used to work with, and stupidly I elaborate I prematurely elaborated to this PA who, who assured me that she wanted to help the process that it might be something that he's interested in that she told me when to call back um, and she said don't worry I'll let him know that you've that you're going to call and I said could you do me a favor and not tell him she said oh no that, that's fine like, it's up to you it's up to you and I said look if, if you can just make sure if I do call back at, I think it was at 1 30 on the particular day that you put me through that's all I'm after could you not tell him that? Of course, she said, okay, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Then I phoned to got, got the original um, sort of uh, reception gatekeeper at the time, um, who then put me through to the department, which was where she was the gatekeeper for this guy. And I went through to the reception, I went, hi, and I'm just gonna make up a name. Hi, uh, uh, can I speak to Hannah, please? Uh, she's gonna put me through to John. They, she went to put me through, but I was on hold for about a minute and I just knew that something was going on there. And the main receptionist came up and I've just spoken to Hannah. She spoke with John and he's not really interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And all of a sudden it backfired because all she'd basically done, and I did manage to get another one to unchat with her. She went, I just told him that it was about coaching. Okay, so she diluted what it was. Even though her intention in her mind was to help me, she can't help me because she doesn't understand the reasons why we're doing what we're doing, uh, the complexities of the reasons. Yeah. What she's trying to do is, is be helpful, and in trying to be helpful, she shot me in the foot. Uh, yeah. yeah, we see, you said at the very beginning that uh, 
that you had a different view to me. But actually what you've just summarised is you have exactly the same view as me. Because uh, the research shows us precisely what you're talking about, really, that actually if they don't understand, yeah. they can't influence the, the person they're dealing with. And so you're saying they can't understand. What the research is showing is that if you spend a long time getting the gatekeeper to understand, yeah. then actually their influence is much greater and you get put through. So I think one of the problems is that people want to get put through from the gatekeeper to the person they've identified as the key person to speak to way too late in the game. That you know that they want to speak to them because they want to make that sale this week. They should have been priming that gatekeeper three months beforehand yeah. and having conversations with them, getting to know them, so they get to understand your products and services. So that then, when they do, when you do get to the point where you actually want to speak to the person, yeah. they really do understand you. And because they're a person of influence, they are going to make sure that they do influence positively because they like you because they've spent three months getting to know you. Oh my goodness, a worrying yeah. outbreak of harmony and agreement or the sales chat show. Uh, I'm, I'm, not I'm not sure. I nearly did because <laughs> Jay, he summarily dismissed me at the beginning. <laughs> Say, you know, you're, you're very well researched, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> just, before we, just before we come to a close on, on this one, um, you just mentioned voicemail. What's your views? you get put through to voicemail? What do you do's and don'ts? From uh, the personally, I don't like leaving voicemails for people who either don't know who I am or aren't expecting my call um, I would I typically will just try people at different times of day that increases mm -hmm. your chance of being able to get hold of them if I do leave a message um, I take the same rule that I would with regards to any conversation where at the end of it you have to take final responsibility for when you're going to speak next so if I was to leave a message it would be hey Simon Anthony Steers here been trying to get hold of you for the past couple of weeks if you'd get a chance to give me a call back here's my number however I'll make a note in my diary on Friday when I'm back in the office that if I haven't heard from you I'll give you a try then so it makes it very clear to you that if you do not return my call I am going to okay. continue to try yeah. Yeah, so, um, so hopefully it almost gives that bit of pressure of well if I don't call him back or do something about this chap he's not going to go away Fantastic. And if our lovely listeners want to get hold of you, sir, to find out more about what you do, what's the best way to get hold of you? Um, on, the I, on the telephone. On the, on the Obviously on the telephone. <laughs> on the telephone, yes. Uh, my phone number is very easy to find. Just uh, Google the word telephone assassin and uh, my number will appear. I get told off for giving my mobile number out on, uh, on shows, but... Uh, Usually, if you're happy for me to do so and you're listening and want to chat, this is a number that you need to save into your mobile. Uh, if you're outside the UK, it'll be plus four four. Uh, but if you're inside the UK, it is zero seven double eight seven seven nine eight zero double three. And just so you know, I don't have a gatekeeper. You can leave me a message if you mention that you've heard me on here. As far as I'm considered, we are friends and I'm happy to talk to you. Hey, fantastic. So there you go, folks. If you need a little bit of help with your... Uh, your proactive business calls, I think. Is that how you describe them? How do you describe it? You, um, you use the phrase... So, um, I, I help people with their lead generation, but technically all I help them do is cultivate relationships over the phone. Perfect. It's a very different way from uh, thinking about it, folks. So, that we, the sales chat show there with Anthony Steers, the telephone assassin, with Graham Jones, Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. There are lots of other great episodes, including additional ones where we're going to... Anthony's brains even further so you'll find those all at saleschatshow.com in the meantime we'd just like to wish you good luck and good selling
have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 